Welcome to the Bliss Broker Podcast, a place to come and dive into the lives of people who've lived life's biggest moments and experiences, good and bad. Join us here every week as we focus on human interest pieces from all over the world. Tune in to get inspired, think outside the box, and find your bliss. Hi guys, welcome. We are here. It's episode five of The Bliss Broker. And guess what? I've got Miss Cami Eames back for our sober chat. Um, and we're today we're going to be talking about triggers. So welcome, Cami, again. Hello. How, How are every- you doing? Oh, just dealing with all of the corona, corona. <laughs> <laughs> My corona. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm really trying to, it's very scary and I'm not trying to downplay anything or disrespect it. I know it's very scary. It's now been affected um, within my like network of people. I know two people now that have been directly affected. One of the two has died. It's a, it's a second cousin of mine. um, So he's my mom's age. Um, his friend. I don't know the story. I don't know if well, he had pre-existing condition. I don't know what was going on there. But that's when it gets real, when it starts becoming uh-huh. less about what you see on the news and more about like, okay, now it's like in my cosmos. Yeah. And I think it's going to start affecting everybody in that way. And I'm, I have a um, really good friend that just got diagnosed with it. So oh, it's just like, wow. That's when it, I think that's when the reality hits. Yeah, I know. So what have you been doing to I mean, I know you guys listening. We, we have to get the Corona talk out of the way because it's like so real for everybody right now. So we'll get into the um, Cammy wants to talk about triggers today, which I think is very perfect for everything that's going on. A lot of people are being triggered by this coronavirus for many reasons. It's affecting every single part of our lives with finances and just all of the things. People aren't able to get to their AA meetings. Um, they are doing a lot of the AA and Al-Anon virtually, but a lot of people don't have access to that technology. So this is the yeah. best time to be talking about triggers. But before we get into that, um, yeah, so how have you been coping with this coronavirus and your job and everything? Well, what really helps me is to get out and walk. Just something as simple as that. I mean, honestly, if I stay cooped up inside the house, I go crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I start getting caught up in all my thoughts about it. But just being outside really, really helps. We can, st- here in New Orleans, um, they do have a stay-at-home advisory for everybody. Mm-hmm. However, we are allowed to get out and exercise, go to the grocery store, go to the pharmacy. So, but they're advising people to stay home. So they've otherwise. not, and, and so that's what I've done. I've just been like, if I have to go to the store, I'll go. Yeah. But and then I'll just like go outside and walk around. Thankfully, I live um like near City Park, so I can walk there. It's like a two minute walk there. Walk so around. Yeah. yeah. Are you seeing a lot of people out? There are there are some people out, like walking dogs, couples out walking. But not like a huge crowd of people. But yeah, people are definitely out taking advantage of Fresh the air. sun, yeah. the nature. Yeah. Well, we went out to Carrier Park, which is central downtown Asheville. 
And they've got a big greenway, and it's right on the French Broad River. It's where Fat Tire Brewery is. It's always packed. And we went down on Saturday for a bike ride and just did about a nine, eight-mile loop somewhere in that vicinity. But I couldn't believe the amount of people that were out. It, oh, it's more really? than I've ever seen. Yeah, there were so many people out. Well, are, are your restaurants closed? Um, Our restaurant, a lot of them are closed. It's like per, like, business they're getting to choose like what they want to do but if they are choosing to stay open they have to do takeout only or curbside yeah um so that's really weird to be driving by as you well know you lived in the south to be driving by our you know staple the waffle house which is like going to be open on the last days of our existence (laughs) um but to see that they've got all the chairs piled up and they got big you know just like most of the restaurants i'm sure they're doing it where you are with just big poster board in the window that says take out only call in your order or whatever it's it's surreal when it starts just affecting what you see when you go out into the world every day limited traffic like you don't see a lot i was running yesterday at school and one of the paths go right by the interstate and there was hardly any traffic and i was like this is i'm just waiting for like a zombie to run out of the woods because that's what it feels like (laughs) i feel like i'm in a horror movie it's bizarre oh yeah i know yeah there's no traffic here really yeah, it's just crazy because your eyes are, we're used to seeing one thing and now we're seeing something completely opposite. Yeah. And so the vibe, that have, have you seen anything like this happen in New Orleans before? I mean, I know when you've got Katrina and things like that, but like to this degree, has it shut down this oh, no. much? Because, I mean, during Katrina, all the bars were open. Right. Most of the bars were open. Right. And so people were in the bars drinking and they were out and about you know, so to speak, we did have curfew and the national guard was here, but it was never, it's not like this. It wasn't like this. I was watching, um, Netflix has got this new show called a hundred humans. It's actually really good. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. I wanted to watch it. We watched about four episodes yesterday and it's hilarious. And the people who interview and organize all these different like tests and things, um, with these hundred humans, are really entertaining. So we binged a few episodes, but I couldn't help but think while I was watching it, wow, all of these people together. Because there's a hundred humans and they're on a campus somewhere and they're doing yeah. all these tests and things. Uh, it, it was a definitely, I was very aware of the fact, wow, all of these people are like allowed to be together. You know, I mean. That's so funny when I'm watching something <laughs> and I see like a congregation of people, I'm like, Wait, they're not supposed to be together. <laughs> this is like something from an 80s movie, don't you think? Like it's it's like yeah. something that we would see in a movie from when we were kids and uh it's where it's affecting me the most specifically because I am, you know, such a loner. I do tend to stay alone a lot, so I don't miss that social interaction physically as much as people do. I interact a lot online as you all well know and I keep in touch yeah. with people that way, but in person I don't I'm not really missing that as much as some people are, but I'm definitely noticing difference. Like I was supposed to run the Spartan race, you know, in a couple of weeks and that's all of those have been rescheduled. I've got all of these awesome networking things that were coming up that have been canceled concerts that we were meant to go to big, huge, all of canceled gone. Yeah. And so that's the thing where I'm like, timing is everything because I could literally be stuck in London right now in the hospital. You know, I mean that we just missed it by a hair, even being able to come home. You did. So when you were there, 
I guess it had already hit Europe, but did we know about it? Yeah, like, I, I was reading up on it, the timing part. I was kind of fascinated yeah. by how cu- how close me and my mom cut it. But January, I think, is when it started really hitting the news um, mainstream where people were talking about it. It wasn't to the point where I was hearing about it because I cut the cord a few years ago. So I don't I stream all of my television. So I'm very yeah. picky. I don't watch any local news. I don't I don't seek out any news. So I didn't know about any of it really. Uh enough to be a forethought until I got home and I, we got home. We landed the evening of well, basically the morning of the 7th of March. Uh, so here's a perfect example to you. When we got on our plane from Heathrow, it was three 30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. So, you know, brand new jumbo jet, you would think it would be packed and we get on and the planes, people are getting on the plane and all of a sudden you hear the captain get on and say, okay, get prepared for takeoff, whatever. And I'm like, me and my mom are looking around the plane and there's like 40 people on the whole plane. And of course, you know, we're like, hell yeah, our fr- we're not watching the news. We've been on vacation for three weeks. We don't know what the hell's going on. So we're thinking, hell yeah, if we want to get in the middle row where there's no people and lay down, we can take yeah. a nap, you know, nine hour flight. It wasn't until we got back and we landed and the following day, my mom was talking to my stepdad, who's very into day trading and stuff. And he said, well, no wonder nobody was on the it's coronavirus. Hello. That's why nobody was on the plane. I'm telling you, honestly, there couldn't have been more than 40 people on the plane. Wow. It was bizarre. But I, at the time, I just thought, well, you know, maybe it's not a big travel travel time. I just was not at all in the know as to what was going on. And then when you, you know, anytime we were at any airports or switching planes in Atlanta, there was no talk about anything so literally we landed on that thursday night early friday morning by saturday or sunday they were checking people for temperatures at the Asheville airport that's how that's how close we cut it so but i mean i just kept i was thinking back in hindsight i was like okay all of the times we were traveling only public transport we didn't do uber uber we walked everywhere or we were on the tube crammed trains museums i mean all of it and i thought how in the hell I managed to get back me and my mom without getting the coronavirus is a testament to either. It's a miracle. It is. It really is. And now that people are dying from it, um, so many people our age range, it's freaking me out a little bit. I'm being I'm being honest with you. I'm a little concerned and it's making me, I'm more concerned. It's like exponentially growing every day. My fear. Oh, me too. <laughs> I'm definitely like yesterday I, I took my temperature a couple of times just to see did you yeah i mean i don't have any symptoms but i was like let me see what my temperature is and it was normal but still it's so funny because a couple of weeks ago i wasn't taking this seriously right i don't think anybody was really yeah and um now i am <laughs> i wear gloves to the store mm-hmm. wash my hands constantly yeah yeah, well, that being said, this is a time, and I did listen to your awesome episode with Mr. Mark Jeffrey while I was running yesterday. It was really awesome, and I know that you guys touched on it a little bit. Mark touched on it prior to the, in his pre-recording before the episode came out because of the t- the gap between when you guys recorded and, you know, the coronavirus had gotten a little more crazy by the time he published that on Thursday. So, um, but I know just to kind of play off of that, it's, you were saying you're home now. And so there's t- moments where you're like 
kind of thinking maybe do I want to not that you're gonna have a drink but I mean speaking on triggers well yeah like for for me my biggest trigger has always been boredom yeah that I mean back in the day I mean if I was bored the quickest way to (laughs) spice my life up so to speak was to start drinking yeah yeah I'm sure a lot of people are like um, that now I'm just, I mean, I, I mean, I'm home, I'm home 24 seven pretty much. And I'm trying to stay busy with my coaching business, with writing, but I'm going to be honest. There's times when I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I feel like having a drink. I yeah. feel like having a drink. What is your biggest trigger? Um, honestly, I was thinking about that yesterday when we had already discussed, you you had messaged me and said you wanted to talk about triggers. So I thought, okay, I'm going to think on this. And my first initial reaction was, I don't really have a trigger. And so that to me immediately was a win because my whole life has been triggers. I I used it to celebrate. I, I would get triggered to drink alcohol when I was happy, when I was sad, when I was stressed. It was just such a prevalent, as you spoke with Mark, it was such a big, drinking has been such a big part of my life. Like you were talking about your sister being under the table drinking, like, same. You know, as I was listening to that episode yesterday, like that, drinking, my mom was in the food and beverage industry. She was either in the bars or behind the bar. Um, So we, I grew up in a bar. I mean, I grew up on Folly Beach in Charleston, you know, walking barefoot in front of the sand dollar stepping on cigarette butts and, you know, learning how to play pickup jacks with the homeless people out there drunk. You know, I mean, it was just part of my life. And so it wasn't so foreign to me to not do everything with alcohol. Um, And it wasn't until, I guess, life really hit the fan and I wasn't noticing a change that I realized, okay, now I'm coping with it. I'm, I'm using alcohol not just for fun and games. I'm actually using it to to mute out my feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's when it got really scary for me. So without going off on a big tangent too late, um, that's my specialty. Uh, my triggers, I don't really have a trigger. Like I don't, and I'm very super grateful for that. I, I'm, if something really major big happened to me, um, traumatic, I would say I would probably be very tempted to drink if I didn't have a buffer zone. And my buffer zone is the foundation that I build every day, the community, the, the, one of my big buffers is the blush broker, just having that as, and being a guiding light for so many people that helps me to want to keep from messing up. And I'm sure you feel the same. Absolutely. If I didn't have my work and just a sense of meaningfulness in my life, which I don't think I had before. Yeah. Um, I would have definitely caved in mm-hmm. and had and had some drinks. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I I just really love my life so much now. I know. And I just don't. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Well, also, I mean, even me and you talking, and me and you, me and you forming a friendship and a relationship through Jill. <laughs> that in itself is hey chill i know that in itself is serendipitous 
Um, and I think that that is part of what keeps you honest, just having these relationships, having these conversations. And if you're not like me, I don't really physically get close to a lot of people because I'm so busy and everybody's so busy. So lining up time to go actually go have a girl's day or go hang out, that's like foreign at this time in our lives. Everybody's got a job and a side hustle and a partner and kids. Right. So, but to make your community um, a solid community and put good people in that community is what I have found has kept me honest. It's not only kept me from being a binge drinker, and doing stupid things when it comes to alcohol and those choices surrounding that. But it's also made me want to work harder for the, my dreams because I want to be a good example to the people in my community. Oh, yeah. And like you said, having good people in your community is key. Oh, my goodness. And and don't you feel free that you actually get to decide <laughs> like who, who you want close to you? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like your decision. If this person's like negative, I'm sorry, I can't. Well, I you can't know what's deal. so funny is I, di I didn't even think about that years ago. Like, I just was like, it was like my relationships were my relationships. And those that's who I was, who was in my life. And I didn't really even contemplate the fact that I had a choice about who was in my life. Um, exactly. I just assumed they were family. They were, I've known this person for X amount of years or whatever. And it wasn't until a handful of years ago that I realized, wait, no, if you are toxic in my life, you aren't allowed to be around me. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's such a light bulb and moment. And it's your choice. Yeah. I never thought I had the choice either. Yeah. I just was like letting people into my life and just thinking, oh, I have to put up with this. Well, yeah, also, speaking on choice, I mean, that's been another light bulb moment that it seems so simple, but just having choice in general and knowing that we're, you know, this is my big takeaway from what I've learned over the last few months is just knowing that we're in the driver's seat. And that applies to drinking, addictions, rom romance, friendships, parental situations like you and your daughter, like any of that, it applies just knowing that you're in control. Not only for me, it, it alleviates anxiety surrounding my choices uh and it makes me feel really free and I don't, oh yeah I'm sure that that would scare the shit out of a lot of people but like when you think about all the options that you have like how does that make you feel inside knowing that you have the option to make your life whatever you want it to be yeah and also boundaries yeah. you know we think of boundaries as like restrictions but actually boundaries to me make me feel free also, boundaries equal self-love. Yeah. You know, I never had boundaries before. Yeah. I would just let life happen to me and just be like, okay. <laughs> well, and boundaries play off of that whole concept that people learn how to treat you by how you treat yourself. And if you set yes. boundaries, it doesn't have to be done in an asshole way. But I, I literally have put padding around my whole life. And I just don't let gossip in. I have, I hate to say it, but I have literally removed every connection that I had prior to the last year. I mean, just besides my husband and my mom and a couple other people that are family members, I don't really have a relationship with hardly anybody that I used to because... Oh, really? Not really. I mean, yeah. I'm not, not to the point where it's harsh or that I wouldn't be able to hug their neck if I saw them somewhere, but due to geographical situations and just being in different 
places in our lives. I've found that, um, and I don't mean this to be egotistical at all, but you're a strong, beautiful woman. You know how it is to be in relationships with women when you're not like self-actualized. It's very catty. They get threatened easy. There's not been a time in my life as a female since I can remember that there wasn't, why are you talking to my boyfriend? You know, just like that kind of, that underlying jealousy. Uh And so fucking forget it now that I'm actually like propelling up and like to my dreams. My dreams are coming true. I'm healthy. I'm taking care of myself. I'm I'm walking a line when it comes to self-love. People hate that shit if they're not there. (laughs) Oh, dude, they, they do. And it's like pure envy and jealousy. Yeah, so if, <laughs> if they were hating on me when I was like bloated and red-faced and like didn't know whether I was coming or going, they're really going to fucking hate me now, you know? So I was like, you know what? I can't, I mean, the last time I tried to reach out to a friend, and I feel like I maybe have mentioned this to you, somebody I've known since I moved here almost 20 years ago, I tried to reach out to her for some help in her situation, and as a friend... And she wrote me back and said, I need a friend right now, not a therapist. And I was like, I never, I mean, I didn't reach out to her in any way differently than I always have. But because of everything that I've got going on, my podcast and just the the, the platform and the foundation and the brand that I'm trying to build, it immediately, she took that differently and right. took offense to me offering help. And I, all that hurts me. I know I'm not in control of that. And that is one thing when it comes to drinking Anything that has gotten better in my life is just knowing when control is okay and knowing when the control is like driving me crazy <laughs> and it's going to drive exactly. me to Exactly. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, speaking of control, <laughs> I'm going to go on um, Instagram live and probably Facebook nice. later today and talk about control. Oh, nice. So That's I, good. I want to. Yeah, because I want to. I heard something really cool. Do you listen to Russell Brand? Yes, I love him. Okay, so I was listening listening to his podcast. Do you know who Gabor Mate is? No, Doctor Gabor Mate. Okay. No, I've no, I've seen him on my Instagram scroll, but I don't know much about him. So I love him. He's had several books. He's an addiction specialist from Canada, and so he's on Russell Brand's podcast and. He tells the story how he was supposed to speak in front of 300 people. Right. And the plane was having technical difficulties, so he had to be diverted back to the airport, and he never made it. Well, in the audience was a Buddhist monk. So everybody persuaded the Buddhist monk to get up and speak. Wow. And um, Dr. Mate was like, it was really good, actually. And he was sharing what this Buddhist monk said, which I think, is freaking amazing. Um, so the Buddhist monk goes in the West. We all we all go panic, panic. Everything's out of our control. Mm-hmm. But in the East, they say relax. Everything's out of our control. Oh, isn't that interesting? How different. So isn't it like so cool? I mean, how does that? Just those two different perspectives. Game changer. It's a game changer. And not only that, it's like, how does it feel to say, relax, everything's out of my control, rather than panic, everything's out of my control? I think it feels really scary and and crazy on the soul if you're not ready for it. And if you've 
taking baby steps to get to that point, that can be a very, just you saying that made me calm. Yeah. I feel like relief when I say relaxed. Mm -hmm. Everything's out of my control. I feel relief. I feel like the, this big burden has been lifted off instead of when I say panic, I feel really tight in my chest, you know, yeah. my breath gets shallow. Yeah. So how would you think since you, um, we were talking about triggers, how do you think being able to be that statement that you just read, how would that apply to triggers for you? Because triggers are, you would think trigger or something you have to control, but like, what, how would you, how would that make you feel? And that as far as triggers and control go. So as far as control goes, there are things we can control. We can always control our thoughts, what right. we think about a situation, of course, and how that relates to triggers. What helps me, not only in this situation, but just in everyday life, is noticing what I am thinking. Right. So if I notice what I'm thinking and kind of observe it and be curious about it, then I can kind of stop that thought almost in its tracks. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I think that we live on autopilot 95% of our lives. Agree. How we think and how we act. So if you can just notice your thought and even question it. Just having an awareness, right? Just having an awareness yeah. is huge. Yeah. A, I mean, so, I mean, that's really what has helped me. So when I do get triggered as far as drinking and I say, oh, wow, I really need a drink. I mean, I ask myself, is it true? Do I really need a drink? Yeah. And the answer is always no. Right. I, I don't need a drink. Yeah. It's just my brain on autopilot. Well, I don't know if this will help because a lot of people I know are going to come to hear you because they are so many people are struggling, struggling with drinking and addiction. And even if they're like, I wouldn't label myself an alcoholic. I, however, would definitely label myself a binge drinker. Me too. So there's so many questions I have when it comes to addiction and like control and um, just being in that place of knowing how you're feeling about something. What worked for me when I stopped and I tapered off, as, as I've told you before, every once in a while, I will have a couple drinks that whole three weeks I was on vacation. I probably had five to seven drinks the whole three weeks. If this would have been a few years ago, I would have woken up hungover over half of the trip. Um, like you, I organically just am in a good place. So I don't feel drawn to get myself into a place where I'm really foggy and crazy. Um, but what worked for me and that hopefully this will help the people coming to listen is just foreshadowing and being so aware that when I said, yeah, I'm going to go make a drink and I'm in that excitement. It feels so good. I'm ready to make a drink. I'm, you know, thinking about what kind of alcohol do I want? And then I would stop myself and say, Okay, what's going to happen here, Harmony? Let's walk through this whole chain of events. And this would happen in like, you know, 30 seconds. And I would foreshadow to the next day when I was hungover and my whole day is wasted or the next two days is wasted. And it would immediately shut down that desire to drink. Just oh, yeah. like that. And it, and actually, like you said, it only takes about 30 seconds or less to walk through the whole scenario of <laughs> what is going going to be the end result of this right and it's not worth it to me the end result is not worth it 
Yeah, and I, I, yesterday when you were, I was listening to your episode with Mark and he was saying what got you to start drinking. Uh, it was interesting. I, you know, as I'm listening, which is why I love doing podcasting, because I know it triggers thought in people when they're listening, if they can relate to a topic. And so when, when Mark was saying, um, you know, what made you start drinking? And you started talking about your story. You guys, if you're listening, go listen to the Mark Jeffrey podcast, the most recent episode. And I'll put this on the show notes is with Cammie. And they have a really awesome conversation about drinking. And it's funny. And you get to hear Cammie with her adorable little giggle. And just, it's a great episode. So I'll make sure to put this in the show notes. But I st- I immediately, am, you know, I'm running and I'm thinking, okay, what got me to start drink- drinking? I was prompted by your topic. And... I couldn't, it was almost scary. I was like, gosh, I don't know. I think I just, I was just around it. So I just started drinking and it just so happened the people I hung out with, it was a big party scene. It Mm -hmm. wasn't an option to not drink. I didn't even think about it. Right. And And it was normal. It was normal. It was normal. Yeah. And that in itself is scary. That it's just like, you just kind of grow into it before you know it, you're boozing it up and you don't even know how the hell you got there. Oh, yeah. Before you know it, you're blacking out. You're drinking, like, three bottles of wine or whatever it was you love to drink. Yeah. And it just happens. It does. It just happens. And that is why it's so important to, like, I. that's why I was going to put you on the spot right now and say to the people that are listening, because I know I got messaged by about four women yesterday that knew through the grapevine that I was going to have you on. And they're so excited already to listen, and I haven't even put it out yet. But what would you say to those women who are going to listen, and men, but since we both primarily, I speaking primarily work with women, um, but what would you say to people listening about how to, like, get a hold on drinking? Like, what would you, what would be the top three pieces of advice you'd give to somebody right now? Well, first off, if you have stopped drinking or you're considering stopping I would say self-compassion is, is key. Oh, that's good. Don't be too hard on yourself. Okay. I mean, we all make mistakes, especially like if you've relapsed, Hey, tomorrow's a brand new day, right? right? Mm -hmm. Just start over again. Also noticing your thoughts, which we've touched on earlier is key. Try not to be on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And also if you, Let's say you do want to have a drink. Plan it ahead of time. Don't just reach for it out of habit. Yeah. So if, for instance, I'm like you. Like, I do not say, oh, I'm never going to drink again. Mm -hmm. If I want to have a drink, I'll have a drink. But I plan it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have one drink. Right? So then I have one drink. Because if not, I will have 10. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's also key. I want to reach out to the people listening, and I want to say that in my 44 years on the planet, and I'm sure Cammie will agree, it finally hit me like a ton of bricks, not only that we're in control, but just how much all of these exercises that coaches and therapists and helpers and healers, all of these little exercises they teach people work. And I, and I, even if it's something as little as morning pages, I know a lot of people oh, that yeah. do morning pages. I don't do them. I need to really start like getting some conviction around that. Uh, but for me, my, 
one thing that I would say supports a healthy lifestyle in many reasons, many ways is movement, having something that you can look forward to some way to like, you know, exercise, no pun intended, those feelings out of you. And, And for me, exercise gives me control. It gives me power. It gives me confidence. It, it makes me have an awareness around health and, and feeling good in a different way than how alcohol made me feel good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's like, feels so much better <laughs> to, like, get up and move. I mean, when I am anxious, that's what I do now. You have to, like you said, you have to move that energy around, you know, just move it around and get it out of your body. And I wanted to say, it's like the mind body connection. It's so real. real. (laughs) It is very real. I mean, that's, that's why I'm so passionate about this brain and body wellness workshop, because I, there is a major connection between, well, basically knowing that you can make your life, whatever you want it to make. I think for me, that's the big takeaway for me over the last year of working on my own self and having a coach and all of that stuff is just designing yourself in your own image and, how proud that can make you like you can really be whatever you want it's scary as shit to know that but it's also very exciting (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's like the good news you've got all the control the bad news you've got all the control (laughs) right (laughs) i know it's like a paradox (laughs) (laughs) yeah so when it comes to sober coaching um for you guys listening cammy is a sober coach and she is very passionate about what she does. She, you know, I'll let you tell them. What what made you go into being becoming a sober coach? Well, I initially, so I'm a life coach too. And I started to niche it down when a few months after I got sober, basically. Yeah. So, and I said, you know what? If I can get sober... <laughs> I can definitely help anybody get sober. Yeah. Because I never, honestly, I never thought I would be in a place where I did not desire to drink. Yeah. I mean, I, and sometimes I like, I wake up or I'm just doing mundane things and it's a weird feeling. Like for one instant, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not drunk. <laughs> because I was so used to that for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, my brain was just like, it's so wired to want alcohol, to be drunk or to be hungover. So yeah, I just never thought I would be in a place where I don't desire to drink anymore. And so I, I was like, I can help. I can definitely help people. And what is sober coaching for those who haven't listened to episode one? where Cammie is on, what does sober coaching look like? Like just for people that are scared. Um, and I want to preface it with this. I just got done doing a five day crash course into being a coach. And just because I'm every day trying to learn how to be better. So what my big takeaway from one of many from this, this five day mastermind was people don't seek coaches. Anytime people go to reach out for help, it's very scary. So nine times out of 10, they don't actually seek a coach. Um, so for people out there listening that are thinking, God, I would love to have a sober coach. What does that even look like? That scares the shit out of me. I'm going to have to call Cammy. I don't even know who she is. What, you know, 
all of those thoughts, how can you calm a listener's nerves now and let them understand in a nutshell what coach sober coaching looks like? Well, first off, sober coaching, it's more about not about the alcohol. It's like, why, why do we drink? Mm-hmm. Why do you drink? Mm-hmm. And until we get to the bottom of that, and we're going to like dive deep into what is your trick? What are your triggers? And we're going to look at the urges you have to drink. We're going to sit with the urges. I've had some of my clients will reach out to me and say, okay, I want to stop drinking for six months. And then once we start getting into the coaching, we realize it's more than the alcohol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you always have to go back to the why, Mm -hmm. the why you are drinking. Mm -hmm. And this can apply to anything, really. Why you're over shopping, over sexing, over vaping. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's vaping is a big issue here. And it applies to everything. So I love that, that you guys are touching on the backstory behind the addiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is huge. That is huge. And so there's so many people like I, it, it's like um, when you buy a brand new car, you all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Going yeah. into a helper role, you start seeing a lot of the same things come up. I, I, I don't know if you have a lot of women reach out to you just that follow you on social media. I've got so many people that reach out and will ask a little question here and there because it is scary to reach out for help. Um, so they'll just tiptoe into my DMs and ask a question about this or ask a question on a video I posted or ask a question about you because they'll see me post stuff about you. And it is like super scary to reach out and get help. So what I'm hearing is you're more of like... Uh, a guide really oh yeah yeah so i will be there with you step by step and i'll also be your biggest cheerleader i love that so and that's yeah. what we need i swear i have this belief system that it just takes one person supporting you and backing you and believing in you and you can literally become unstoppable oh yeah you can do whatever you want to if you have that one person that's got your back I know, because if you have a shit ton of people in your past that have been telling you, no, you suck, you're this, you're that, all the negatives, and you become you become a big believer in all of those things, mm-hmm. you can also do the opposite. You can also stumble upon somebody that says, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're a warrior, you're a fighter, you got this, and you can also oh, believe yeah. that too. And I think that we, as a society, it's human nature, want to believe the negatives easier than we want to believe the positives. And that's the reason behind this podcast is to have people like you on that really support a blissful life and really help people to believe that it's attainable for normal average people. (laughs) Oh, it's definitely attainable. Yeah. You just have to get in the right mindset. You also have to want it. Right. Oh, but it's definitely attainable. So what does, I have a few questions because I know that you are busy. You're doing all the lives and we've got all the social media quarantine content coming out. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have um, selected a couple questions today to ask you um, before we end. Um, And question number one is what does bliss mean to you? Bliss means freedom. Ooh. I love it means being able to serve others 
It means being true to myself. Mm-hmm. It means living in integrity. Love that. That's so good. That's so good. Um, okay, number two, how do you achieve daily bliss? Oh, gosh. Um, like I said before, going outside, being mm-hmm. in nature. Yeah. Is yeah. there something little like that you feel like you can look back on and know that you do maybe every day for yourself that could be considered a little blissful moment? Moving my body. I woke up to, so I haven't been really on my schedule. Usually I wake up at five in the morning, then go work out at six. Right. So I've been sleeping into like seven or seven thirty, And then, but today I was like, okay. So I got up at five. Nice. I did my workout at home and it just made me, it made me feel so much better. Oh, <laughs> you that's know? so good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to in, insert a couple of mine. Mine is honestly I, my coffee regimen in the morning. I look forward to that so much. Just doing the whole walking through the motion of pouring it over and waiting for it to brew and cinnamon and whatever. I kind of like yeah. try to, you know, I had to do all that creation to get away from Starbucks. But any of those little self-care, I consider those little blissful moments too. Yeah. Oh, um, definitely. Okay. So number three, how do you personally spread bliss in your life? I try to... I try to be positive. You know, I feel like I used to be very negative and cynical yeah. when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the, those naysayers, you know, yeah. that I'm now trying to get out of my life. So now I try to be positive and I try to be very supportive of others and just show some compassion yeah. towards people, especially now. Yeah. You know, that's so good. Compassion, kindness. It really does. It's like anything that you exercise. It gets easier the more you do it. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you're doing it. And then you look around and go, wow, I'm so different. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're like, what happened? (laughs) Oh, I'm serious. Like, I, I love, 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 as you well know, going running in the woods. And a handful, not even, last year, I would have been like, I don't want to go to the woods. It sounds like it sucks. Like, I don't want to go to the woods for I just, it's just, it's, and now I just get out there and I just imagine that chick from the sound of music, like spinning down the mountain. That's how I feel when I get outside. I'm like, I want to take pictures of all the plants and the birds and the ducks. And the, I love that. And I really, that that's kind of my thing that I want to share with the world is that you can change. So uh, that's why I love neuroplasticity so much is because that whole idea, and I've said it myself, it's just how I'm wired up. That's just who I am. Well, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And the idea that um, supports everything that we do, me as a confidence coach and you as a sober coach and a life coach, like it, it's that supports the whole idea of the fact that you can change, that you can create your life and yourself and your image any way you want. And if you want to exactly. be somebody who likes to go in the woods and hang out with the ducks and run with your dog... And whereas before I just wanted to like buy a fresh, oh, I could hear the cellophane on it right now, a fresh pack of parliament lights and cracking over the, open the bottle of a fresh bottle of beer or whatever, like hearing the liquor pour over the ice. Like the, I would much rather have been on a porch with an eighties album playing, listening to the birds from my back porch than ever running in the fricking woods. Like I, and the fact that I've made that shift. 
is bizarre to me sometimes. I'm just like, and so I think that knowing you have the capability of changing like that, it's what drives me every day to get on the internet and want to shake people and go, you don't have to be living this way anymore. You don't have to be with this asshole that makes you feel belittled every day. You are worth more. You don't have to go to this job that sucks. You don't have to listen to your mother-in-law talk shit to you. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. There's so We get stuck in one reality, Ugh. and there's so many realities that we can create for ourselves. Oh, that's good. I like the way you and, put that. I mean, seriously, you can create anything you want to. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's pretty so fucking it's like, amazing. So it's like, look to the possibilities. There's so many possibilities for your life. You do not have to stay where you are. No, you don't. Yeah. And when I think about <laughs> years ago when I first moved here and I was like, uh, I don't want to be hateful. So living with somebody that wasn't up to par with who I should have been with, I was over drinking, living in a little trailer, didn't have any money. I'd lost my license in Charleston, didn't have a car. Um, and when I think about that woman <laughs> being in the house, I was mid twenties. I felt so stuck, Cammy. I felt so stuck, um, to, to know how I've changed my life and to know that the gap between 24 and 44 those two girls doesn't have to be as big for you guys out there listening. It could be 12 months. It could be six months. It could be yeah. freaking tomorrow. But the awareness that you and I both have about how you can change your life and create an image, an avatar that I, I keep saying it. I know, but I'm just trying to drive the, the point home that you guys have this, you guys have this control to like make your life when you get online and you're scrolling and you're envying this chick and that guy and this car and those clothes and that hairdo and all, it's all there for you, for the taken. Yeah. It's right? all achievable. It's all yeah. achievable. So I love that. I feel like I can talk to you forever. <laughs> so I'm like, how do I get Cammie to come on every week? Um, so yeah, I know. Can you believe we're already almost in an hour? Really? Yeah. That how, went by quick. It is. We're at 53 minutes right now, and it's hard to believe. Um, but there's just, and that's why, I, as I told you before, it's the most listeners I've ever had in my podcasting, my short podcasting career. And I think that people love that we're talking about stuff that's uncomfortable. We're talking about it so openly. And um, that's huge, just being an, a fly on the wall in a conversation that is talking about things that aren't so easy to talk about all the time. Yes. And that's our specialty, I think. It is our specialty. So what do you want to leave? What thought do you want to leave for everybody today? And I will leave, you know, you can say whatever you want, but I will leave all the contact stuff for them to get in touch with you on the show notes. But what do you want to leave the audience with today? That you can change. I mean, it is in your realm to change. You can create whatever reality you want to create. So use your imaginations and get to it. I love that. I love that. Okay, so you guys, another episode of The Bliss Broker is in the kitty. I'm so happy that you guys came today and supported the show. Please share the show with somebody who you think can benefit from just living a life of bliss. And if you know somebody that is struggling with alcohol addiction or binge drinking or any of those things, please reach out to me or Cammie. She is at Sober Nola 
on Instagram, and I will be sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening. Go do something good for yourself. More importantly, go do something good for somebody else, and I'll see you next week.